behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. The land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away, the world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. Isaiah 24, verses 1 through 6. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, for a few years now, we've occasionally done a video or a a podcast on the last generation. And I think uh, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the rich man and Lazarus. There was a double episode of that. Um, If you haven't listened to that, you need to go check that out. Today, we're going to be looking at the last generation according to the book of 2 Timothy. And it's stuff that we've all heard before, uh, maybe to the point where we're not fully appreciating it or taking it uh, to heart. And so my goal this morning is to read over it, to compare some other scriptures with it, to get an idea. It's really a dark picture of evil men, of what society and what people and the hearts of people will be like in the last days, and I think what we find when we look at this is it's exactly the experience our generation is having right now. And so I ask that you just open up your hearts and let the Word of God speak to you this morning. I've kind of got two versions side by side this morning, the King James Bible and then uh, one that's called the Scriptures 2009. It's kind of like the Hallelujah Scriptures. And uh, so that's the two versions that we're going to be using this morning as we look through this study. And we have about ten other cross-references that we'll be looking at. Before we get started, I want to read from F.B. Meyer. He has like a little two-paragraph introduction to 2 Timothy. Uh, Just dealing with the first nine verses. I want to read that to you real quick to kind of set the stage. Here's what he says. 
The last days of the present age are to be black and sorrowful. Sinful rejection of Christ will come to a head. We must not be misled by widespread profession of forms of religion. This may coexist with the rankest apostasy. Please note, that's... I mean, that's a brilliant thought. I mean, he's pulling it from Second Timothy. But it, the reason why I say it's a brilliant thought is because it's exactly what we're dealing with today. There's plenty of religion. There's plenty of, quote, Christianity. But it's it's rank it's the rankest form of apostasy. It's it's out of control. Let me continue on with this. When women are conscious of sins against God, society and themselves are very liable to the seduction of false teachers who promise peace and condone impurity. Tares and wheat grow together unto the harvest. The devil has always set himself to counterfeit God's handiwork. The holy city by Babylon, the son of man by the man of sin, blessedness by the worldling, world, worldling's giddy merit. Thus the Egyptian conjurers repeated the miracles of Moses by resorting to a sleight of hand. So there is a pure gospel and a specious mimicry of it. Wait for the inevitable unfolding of God's purpose. Time will show what is true and what is false. In the meantime, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. So with that introduction, let's read Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So please note, first five verses kind of describes... It says that in the last days, the hard times are going to come. And the reason that hard times are going to come is because men inevitably are going to love themselves and they're going to love pleasure. And they're going to be all of these things that we see in our society today, right? Blasphemers, they're disobedient to parents. Just go to your local grocery store and watch how children act. Unthankful, unholy. They don't have natural affection that that we used to experience when we were growing up, right? And I say we as if everybody's the same age, but when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, yes, many of these issues had already begun to exist, but there was still natural affection, right? There was still a natural uh, way of valuing other people, 
It was just, you know, part of who we were as human beings. That's gone. That's out the window. And this despisers of those that are good. We're going to be uh, hanging on to that thought here in a minute as we move further into these scriptures. So I just want you to kind of pin that one in the back of your mind. Despise, they hate those that are good. They hate those who walk upright. We'll come back to that. They're traitors, heady, high-minded. They love pleasure more than God. It's like, yeah, I want to be a Christian. Uh, you know, I want, you know, I identify as a Christian. I go to church. Uh, uh, but if you think I'm giving up, this thing that I enjoy so much, forget about it. They love the pleasure more than God. And as a result, they have a form of godliness, like, hey, you see them at church and they know some scriptures, but they deny the power of, it says, from them types, these posers, these imposters of Christianity, turn away from them. Some interesting footnotes here. Some scriptures to compare here to these first five verses. I just read to you from Isaiah, right? Isaiah 24, 5, 6, how the earth is going to be defiled under its inhabitants because they transgressed the laws, they have changed the ordinances, they've broken the covenant. And as a result, therefore, hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. This is a theme in the book of Revelation and other prophecies. Pop, the population of the world is going to be disintegrated. Few men left. Remember the prophecy where seven women will cling to one man saying, Take away our reproach. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, when he, when he also is talking about what the hearts of men will be like, he says, Because iniquity shall abound, because, a law, because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Right? They lack natural affection towards one another. And the reason that they have this is because iniquity has abound. So when sin increases and it becomes celebrated and, and welcomed and goodness and godliness becomes despised, true love is gone. True compassion for one another, for your fellow human being, is gone. In Romans, Paul says that the people will be backbiters, they'll be haters of God, they'll be despiteful, proud, boasters, they'll invent evil things, disobedient to parents, just like what he told Timothy here, without understanding, covenant breakers. Again, he says, and this is Romans chapter 1, it's very similar to what he's telling uh, Timothy here, Without natural affection, unmerciful. Let's continue on. Verse 6 For this of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, 
laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate, in other words, perverse, concerning the faith. Ever learning, but never really able to come to the truth. That's a dangerous thought. You can be going to church. I suppose you could even read the scriptures. But if you also resist the truth, and you have a reprobate, a perverse, corrupt mind, you never really ever come to the knowledge of the truth. We also could look at it like this. We have all these people that are in education. They have 50 billion degrees hanging on their wall. They think they're so wise, but really all their wisdom is worldly wisdom, which is vanity and worthless and completely useless. They have all this knowledge, but they're unable to come to the one truth that matters, the one that leads to eternal life. What good is it to have 50 degrees and you make $300,000 a year, but you die in your sins and you spend eternity in hell because you didn't, or you were unable to come to the one truth that matters? Continuing on, verse 9, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou fully know my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, and Asinium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So Paul's telling Timothy, look, this is how the world's going to be. But you, you've, clo- you've followed my teaching closely in the way of life, my way of life closely in the purposes and the belief and the patience and the love and the endurance. Additionally, you know the persecutions that I have suffered. He goes through some of the list of places where he had encountered persecution. And he says, all those wishing to live reverently in Messiah, all those who wish to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All. All that wish to live godly will suffer persecution. You're going to be censored. You're going to be canceled. Your friends and your family are going to mock you and and get angry with you or just flat out abandon you. At work, you're going to hear whispering around the office. Or in some cases, worse. 
Interestingly enough, Paul has another thought on that that I want to share with you. Let me get it pulled up for us here. So he says, all, he says, all those who wish to live godly are going to suffer persecution. But he also says this in the book of Romans, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, Paul knew something in the depths of his heart. That these persecutions and these trials and all of this, it was nothing compared to the reward. All the suffering, beaten nearly to death, dragged out of the city because they thought he was dead and left for dead. Multiple times he was shipwrecked. Multiple times he was whipped. He's like, that's nothing. It doesn't even compare with the reward that I'm going to receive in eternity. It's hard for us to get our minds in that place. Because it takes a really high level of faith. It's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to say, I believe I'm willing to die for that belief. I'm willing to suffer the greatest sufferings for that belief. When the trial comes, that's when you find out where your faith really is. That's how you find out how much you actually believe. Which might be part of the reason why God allows the trials to begin with. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice he says righteousness' sake. You don't show up to work on time and then you say, I'm being persecuted. That's, no. That's not Christian persecution. That's, you didn't do your job, so you got to, there's a reap and a sow there. What this is talking about is specifically you're targeted because you serve Christ. Now, a lot of the hypocritical Christians aren't going to run into this problem. Which I would argue is a lot of those who claim to be Christian here in the West. We're not going to run into this problem because you can't distinguish them from the world. It's those who would dare tell the truth. It's those who would dare say, that's sin, that's evil, that's perverse. Those are the ones that get the pushback. Those are the ones who are taking the lashes. Those are the ones who are taking the financial hits. Those are the ones losing friends and family members. The next verse, uh, this is verse 13, so it says, verse 12 says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers, that word actually can be translated imposters, so evil men and imposters shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Or led astray, leading astray and being led astray. 
So those who wish to live for Christ are going to suffer. But on the flip side, you have the imposter Christians, right? They're not only deceiving, leading other people astray, but they themselves are being deceived and led astray. They don't even realize it. They don't believe that there will actually be many, as Jesus says, who stand before him saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do blah, blah, blah? And he says, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, by the way. Examine yourself daily and make sure you're in the faith. That is not the Christian message we hear today, right? It's, did you say the sinner's prayer? Well, here you go. You're no longer under the law, so just live as you please. See, that's what, that's what many believers today believe. They believe that you can do as you want. You got the fire insurance. You're good to go. Live however you want. There's, there's no conditions, no expectations. What, is, what, is, what does Paul say in Galatians? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Serve one another through love. If you genuinely want to live godly, if you genuinely want to live righteous, Just understand that the world is going to hate you. But Jesus said, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. And he said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So if the world loves you and gets along with you, great. Guess what? You're not following him. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I came to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be the members of his own household. What is he talking about? He's saying, if you follow me, some people, even in your own home, even amongst your own people, amongst your own town, amongst your own family, you're going to have some problems with you. But he also says, don't worry then, in Matthew chapter 6, saying, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear for clothing for the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things, but listen to this, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness... And all these things will be provided to you. Righteousness. How often do you hear that preached today? Is that a thought on many Christians' minds? 
righteousness and holiness. I'm committed to righteousness and holiness in the way I behave, in the way I think, in the way I act, in the way I live my life. Where's your attitude? Well, I'm free. Free to live how I please. No. Jesus didn't free you to sin. He freed you from the bondage of sin. James says, you'll know my faith by what I do. John says, this is how we know that we love God. For we obey his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Actions matter. Actions demonstrate what you actually believe. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, if you're going to live that way, which is what you are called to do, understand it comes with a cost. And the day we're living in, absolutely it does. Let's continue finishing our study this morning. By the way, this is not to meant to make you feel down or beat up. It's to, it's to say, you know what? Step up. Don't be a coward. Either serve Christ or don't serve Christ, but get off the fence because the devil owns the fence. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to end this chapter here. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and for correction and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Obviously, we all fail and fall short. And then we have to get on our faces before God and say, Forgive me, I'm a sinner. And He says, All who confess will be forgiven. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But what is your posture? What is your attitude? All those who wish to live godly, or all those that would live godly or will live godly, it doesn't mean that you will be perfect. It means that your posture and your heart towards God is to walk in righteousness and holiness. Not to earn salvation, but because of salvation. Not to earn God's favor, but because of his favor. If your attitude is, I do as, I'm just going to do as I please, I got the fire insurance, you don't love God. You don't love the things of God. You are deceived, deceiving and being deceived. You have been seduced by apostasy.
I'm sure I'm going to hear about this podcast this morning. (laughs) But I don't care. What I care about is that the truth has went forth and pierced hearts and caused people to draw closer to God. Because on that day, what I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. What I don't, what I want to do is say, look, master, you gave me two talents. Here's ten back. I don't want to be like, look at all the people I pleased. Look at all the people I made feel good about themselves. There's many who think that that's what it means to be a teacher. That it's about feelings and self-esteem. I pray you've been blessed this morning and strengthened this morning and convicted this morning. And and I pray that you feel in your heart, maybe I need to take a look in the mirror. Am I really the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? Because Christ said that if I do hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, I will be filled. Because Jesus said what? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.